a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. You're locked on to Hans Solson and Scotty Chin. Chin, Chin. That's right. Yeah. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. I might need, we need some help. We need to be on remote with a Z right now because we might need a Generation Z to help us out here. Oh. We're giving away tickets right now. Oh. Caller number 12. No, I know this guy. No, you do yeah. not. Jelly Roll? I know him. Yeah. No, no, I, like, I literally I, I, no, We're not I'm talking like the day old gas station Jelly Roll. No, no. I, I don't know him personally, no. And, and no, I, I do know the day old Jelly Roll at the gas station. No, I actually know this guy as a singer. So call at number 12, 801-575-ZONE. You'll win a pair of tickets to see Jelly Roll in concert at USANA Amphitheater September 2nd. Look, the dude must have someone. He's going to USANA. I mean, that's you don't, you're not some uh, nobody if you're well, going to USANA. So his name fits him. He's a big, bigger fella? Uh, massive. Massive. Oh All right. He has the voice of an angel. Mixed with Fergie, like it it really is. A, he's a beautiful voice. His genre is more leans more towards country, but it's kind of the new age country, like the Zach Brown stuff. But he also can do soulful things because he's got this real range in his voice. Wow, he's got all the. He looks like a kind of a. Yeah. Uh, in, inflated. Um, yeah, Post Malone. Post Malone. Yeah, with the, the facial tattoos. He's got a cross that's tattooed right under his eye, and he's got a lot of different facial and neck tattoos. He's done some prison time or, or jail time. I can't remember which. Um, 
He's lived a really hard life. Wow, he does have an excellent voice. Wow. Yeah, right. it's very, you can kind of hear the pain in it. And yeah. and so he's really good. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind going out to a show. But he's not mainstream. He, although he did just release a song that is starting to really hit the, the mainstream nudge. Um, well, he's got a song called Son of a Sinner. And he, I think Son of the Sinner is the one that's really hitting mainstream. And the one that put him on the map, I think, was called Save Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the Save Me song is just about everything that's going down. He, he lives a really hard lifestyle. I think his eating addiction. So he's not a rapper at all? I don't think so. He's claiming an eating addiction, too? Well, no, no, he doesn't claim it. Uh, He just talks about his eating habits in it. Okay. Hatch told me he was like a rapper. I said, you ever heard of Jelly Roll? He's oh, yeah, he's like a rapper. And he said he's bigger. And I was like, oh, okay. Of what I know, no, I've never heard him rap. I've only heard him do country or soulful music. In fact, I think he was part of the Grand Ole Opry. I think that he was recognized and awarded and sang at the Grand Ole Opry, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. But I've, I've given you too much on Jelly Roll already. I love that you know that much about Jelly Roll. Yeah, the things we learn about each other. It's fascinating. You have no idea. <laughs> 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 things we learn about people. Yeah, the, um, the things we all you, learn together. Do you like a uh, a strawberry jelly roll, raspberry? Raspberry. Like raspberry. This okay. is going to go down this Yeah, path. I do. I love a raspberry jelly roll. And I don't know if you're considering, like, there's the Swiss Miss jelly rolls that's kind of the pastry that's rolled with jelly, or there's the jelly-filled powdered donuts, the the Fritz, the Fritz donuts that you can get in packs of eight and they're really good if you can catch those on a soft moist day those are really good but that's what i talked about the powdery substance on my shirt i went through a stage where i was buying a box of those powdered raspberry donuts maybe two three times a week and i'd down five of them and then i'd hide the other three under my seat and then I'd wait when nobody was looking at and I'd eat the other three. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing because I do the same thing. <laughs> Not with those. I don't like... Because, look, uh, there's too much incriminating evidence with the powdered sugar donuts. Like, you can try to get it out, but then you walk in the door and your wife's like, what's that? And you're like, oh, it's a cocaine problem. You're looking like Just Carlos. Never mind. Looking like Carlos Fontana. You know, for the first time, I did a I did a sneak eat on my way home yesterday. What oh did, yeah. What did you sneak eat? I grabbed like some uh, a big thing of uh, chicken McNuggets. Did you say for the first time? Yeah. Bull I don't crap. normally I don't normally sneak eat. I mean, that's not really my. Th- I don't normally do that. But because I know dinner was going to be ready when I when I got home, and I just. But I was like, you know what? This sounds really good. You wanted a warm chicken nugget. I wanted a warm chicken nugget. Is, is it because of what was being served that night? No, you wanted no, to like pregame no. a little bit so you didn't have to eat as much. No, what what the what the mess is made was amazing. But I just I needed some chicken nuggets. <laughs> what I felt really guilty because then I hurry up and I crumpled it up and made sure I 
note because sometimes she'll come out when I when I get home sometimes. And I hurry up and threw it away as fast as I could. And uh, you, put that's some, why you, st- you stop at a gas station on your way home. See, I'm new to it. Drop it in the garbage. See, I'm new to this. I, I, yeah. I was like, oh, man. So I made sure to put some garbage over it and You'll get so your nobody can see down. it. You'll get well, your system down. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep working on it. Find what fits you and your you, needs. Yeah. You know what? Every Everybody's a little different in the sneak eats. You know? You just... Everybody's got a system. You just got to find yours and what works best for you and your route home. You know, I'm just telling you, Lloyd, as your boys age and start to identify what you're eating and when you're eating, the more that that happens, the more you're going to sneak eat because you don't want to answer questions of what am I eating? Why are you eating so much? And I don't want to share it with you. Can can I have some of it? (laughs) Could you warm up some of that for me? And, And all of a sudden, sneak eating becomes the private moments in your life that you enjoy the most. And I sneak eat at least eight times a week. (laughs) (laughs) I sneak eat a lot because Rock has a nose like a bloodhound. And he'll be like, did you have some Wendy's fries? And you're like, how did you differentiate between Wendy's and any other? He just has the nose. Xavier has a he hears like just the cr- the creaking opening of uh, of the cupboard, and he pops open. And this is late at like it's it's his bedtime. And he's like, "What are you eating?" Oh. And it's like, Dude, oh, yeah. "I'm just gonna have a cookie. Leave me alone. Get to bed." Dude, everything you're uh, everything you're talking about, it's only gonna get worse. Yeah, and like with Brody, same thing. My my youngest, like he could hear just the crinkle of a hamburger wrapper, and it's like he's like a dog. Just- <laughs> Freaking bloodhounds! Yeah, I know, I know, man, I know. It's it's tough too because I eat unordinary portions, and I I hate having to answer to anybody on what portion I'm eating of anything. Uh, oh, you're gonna have some of that peach cobbler? Yes, uh, and then I heat it up. Oh, well, you're gonna eat all that? <laughs> It is nails on a chalkboard to me. So I've sat my entire family down and said, do not question my portions ever. Don't say, are you going to eat all that? Or how come you did, got so much? Don't question my portions. This, this didn't, you, and nobody, at no point are you going to answer that and be like, oh, wow. Yeah, I did get more than I anticipated. <laughs> I'm not sure how that happened. I didn't no, think every, I scooped that much. Everything was done on purpose. Am, there was no accident there. I am a grown man, and I wanted this much scalp potatoes reheated. And I'm not going to answer your question as to why it covers the whole plate. Oh, it's just it, it, it just grinds my gears. So, yes, sneak eating. It's going to be a part of your life. Yeah, Lloyd. Welcome to the family. Um, you're talking to two seasoned pros on sneak eating. You'll get there. You'll get there. It'll be all right. Um, before we go to break hands, we talked a little bit in the first segment about the jazz. Uh, you broke it down, man. I thought you did a great job. Like I, I know we're we're enjoying the ride, but every W, the Jazz are damaging themselves just a little bit more. Well, it feels like a real lost opportunity, and. I I had to reassess my opinion on the standing of the Jazz last night. Now, they ended up losing to San Antonio, but there was a moment there where things were looking like they would win, and 
Lowry Markkinen was looking like a freak. His his block and his grab and his coast-to-coast dunk was second to none and incredible. And I started to think, have the Jazz handled this the right way? And I understand people's take of, well, it's only 14% chance at the top pick. But it's also 14% chance at the second pick. And it's only three teams that get the 14% chance. And really, the percentages start to ramp up of your ability to get one of the top two picks if you're in the bottom three in record. And the Jazz have completely missed the bottom three bus. I think that they've missed the bottom six bus. I don't think they can get to the bottom six. I think that seven is probably their best. And this isn't your ordinary draft. And I drew the reference to the lottery. When our country's lottery, when the jackpot gets up to $800 million, it jumps from $800 million to $1.2 billion really quickly because everybody goes out and buys a lottery ticket because it's the size of the pot. And then you know when it gets to $1.2 to $1.4 billion, you know somebody's going to hit it because you know everybody in the country, including Utahns, are driving outside of our borders to go get that lottery ticket because of what they stand to gain and just to be a part of it, to get in on the action. This is this year's NBA draft. That it it is the nineteen it is the potential of the nineteen eighty four draft with Hakeem Olajuwon and Michael Jordan, two thousand three, where you had LeBron, Carmelo Anthony, uh, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. Yep, nineteen ninety six, where you had Kobe Bryant and and some of the greats. You want to be positioned. To be able to take full advantage of this world-class draft that is game-changing. And that doesn't mean the worst record in the NBA. It means one of the worst three records in the NBA. At the minimum, one of the four worst records in the NBA. But I don't even think the Jazz have put themselves in position to get one of the six worst records in the NBA. So, the conclusion I drew as I was working through this, was Danny Ainge has identified one or two talents that he feels like he can get outside of Scoot and Victor Wembanyama with what assets he's got together, because he's got three first-round picks, with what assets he has to gain positioning, or he just feels like he can get it at whatever point he feels like he can go out and get his pick. Mm-hmm. But it makes me feel like he's identified the talent and he feels like he's positioned with assets to go get it and he doesn't necessarily need to tank. So that's the only conclusion I could draw. Otherwise, you drop Jordan Clarkson at the trade deadline. You tell Lowry Markkinen you're going to be dealing with injuries the rest of the season. You let Walker Kessler know. You know actually, you keep Walker on the court because you want to just keep force-feeding him minutes. And you take the proper measures to ensure, not that you're the worst, but you're one of the three worst. At the minimum, you're one of the fourth worst. But you certainly don't drop out of one of the six worst records and lose the opportunity to gain footing to go get that guy that's a game-changer. And Scoot, Scoot Henderson would be the perfect fit with Lowry Markkinen and Walker Kessler to develop as a young big three. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. I do think, all right, so let's say worst-case scenario, Hans. 
Well, okay, not worst. Uh, realistic scenario here. I do think that the Jazz are going to manufacture some losses here. Uh, they uh, it's, uh, Somebody just ran some numbers, uh, and the Jazz have the heart, third hardest remaining schedule in the NBA uh, going forward. So especially when you look at this six-game road trip, the Jazz, there's going to be some losses there. I know they're playing Oklahoma City the first two. They'll probably split those. Hopefully they go 0-2, but they could very well go 2-0 and in those two games. There's no back-to-back, so you're not going to have those schedule losses that you kind of think of on some of these road trips. But I do think the Jazz are going to suffer a good chunk of losses on this road trip and throughout the rest of the season. But let's say they finish kind of in that 8-9 spot. Um, you're not getting to number one, number two. Nobody in their right mind is trading out of the number one or number two pick. Um, you could trade up to number five or number six, though, and you do have the assets to go out there and get it. So if Don- Danny Ainge does identify somebody in the top six that he really likes, the Jazz do have the ammunition to move up a few slots, and they may have to do that. Now, look, I would prefer that the Jazz just do it the old-fashioned way and just lose a bunch of games, and I do think that's within the realm of possibility. But uh, I do think if they are unable to do so, that they're going to have a difficult that, – that, that there will be a path moving forward. Because I do think uh, from some of the people that, uh, you know, that you hear and you talk about that there's anywhere from five to seven franchise players in this year's NBA draft. Now, maybe not generational players. I think there's two of those, especially one of those. But I do think you do have franchise players available outside of the top two that you can still go out and get. So, Scotty, with 19 games remaining in the season, the Jazz currently have 19 games remaining. And they're about ready to kick off this six-game road trip, which adds to the strength of schedule thing that Scotty was just talking about. Even though some of those teams aren't the best, Charlotte, Orlando, Oklahoma City a couple of times, all those teams are on this road trip. The Jazz said 31-32. Let's say they were able to accomplish a 5-14 and record, which you go 5-14, and you're, Larry Markinen is not making this road trip. You go 5-14, and 14, Larry Markkinen is probably going to miss 12 of the remaining 19 games. You, you, you have to make a conscious effort to get to 5-14 and 14 with this roster that you've got. I'm sorry, they're just too good. And they're fun to watch. And, I, and yes, I enjoy it. But I'm, I'm looking at it at, at the bigger picture. What's the payoff? The payoff for me would be draft night. Having the first eventful draft night that Scotty and I have had in years. Yeah. Where we feel like there's a, a, a organizational altering opportunity with picks sitting in front of us, especially where the Jazz own three of them. That's what I want. That's the payoff. The payoff to me is not winning the chance at a play-in game. The the, uh, the payoff to me is not a eight-one matchup with the Denver Nuggets that will be a four-zero sweep. That's not the payoff to me. The payoff to me is. Getting to that draft night, knowing what the implications are, knowing that this talent is organizationally altering and having three picks to make the push and being in position with the lottery to be in the top five. And and I just don't see it happening because the Jazz are not going to go five and 14 through their next 19. The Jazz, I think, worst case scenario through 19 is probably seven and 12. Mm-hmm. It's. I think that's worst case. That would give them 38 wins, Scotty. 
38 wins is going to keep them at the seventh worst or better. Seventh, eighth, or ninth worst or better. They currently sit as the 13th worst record. But I think the most they can accomplish is probably the seventh worst at 38 wins. Yeah, I think you're right. Can they, could, do you see them finding a way to do worse than eight and 12 through the final 19? Um, yeah, I think they could. It's going to just going to take some work. I just don't think this team's capable of losing at a significant, like you're going to need Clarkson to shut it down. Uh, it, it would be nice if Larry Markadin had a mysterious groin injury or hamstring injury. And out of abundance of caution, we're going to sideline him for a bit. Like, it's possible. It's just... But, but, if, but Scotty, we can't overstate the importance of them finishing it, it, at least in the the bottom seven. Yeah. At least. But, but really, they needed to finish in the bottom four. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. All right. Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Coming up next, uh, we spin the wheel. A little sports roulette straight ahead. Right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keering. All of this hinges on a media rights deal. It has to be comparable to the Big 12. And if it's not, you know Oregon and Washington are probably out the door. But why is everybody else? Why is every other conference going expand? And why did the Pac-12 go, nope, we're not we're not doing anything? Why did they not see the writing on the wall? Why did why did everyone else get this? Why did everyone else understand the assignment and, and the Pac-12 didn't? Seems pretty clear. It's their arrogance and they're they're not reading the room and not seeing what's really going on. And what's really going on, TV, plain and simple, has been driving this ship and it will continue to drive this ship. And if you don't answer to it and you don't understand it, you're toast. It's Unrivaled. Afternoons from 3 to 6. Presented by G2G Bars. Perfect for anyone who needs a quick, tasty, and nutritious boost. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The wheel is loaded, and it's time to talk some sports. This is Sports Roulette with Hanson Scotting, presented by You First Credit Union on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hanson Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hope you're all having a tremendous, what is it, Wednesday today? Be back from Vegas coming up tomorrow. Can't wait to get out of here, man. No, Lloyd, no. Are you sure you can't wait? 
sounds like you're having a great time. Live here what at the Thomas segment, and Mac. By the way. Yeah. What a great segment. <laughs> yeah, it's a perfect uh, segment. By the way, big uh, Remedical Utah's only physician-owned and operated wellness clinic offering ED treatment that's discreet, non-invasive, and customized for your needs. Go to remedical.com today. All right, Lloyd, fire up that wheel. Warrant for an arrest. Well, this is horrifying, Scotty. Got to go back to January 15th and that crazy incident. Yeah. That happened with Georgia offensive lineman Devin Wilcock and uh, recruiting analyst Chandler LaCroix. Chandler LaCroix was driving a car at excessive speeds and wrecked going 104 miles per hour, according to investigations. The toxicology report came back for her at approximately 0.197, nearly 0.2% blood alcohol Uh level. Um, 0.08 is the legal limit, so that gives you an indicator of just how high over that limit her toxicology came back at. Um, Obviously, Chandler LaCroix lost her life, and Devin Wilcock lost his life. That goes back to January 15th. Well, report comes out this morning that the athens Clark County Georgia Police Department has secured arrest warrants for former Georgia defensive lineman Jalen Carter in connection with this fatal incident back in January. The warrant is for reckless driving. And, Scotty, what they're finding and what their investigation is finding is he was in the car adjacent and they were racing. So they have sought the warrant. They have secured it, and they are currently headed to get Jalen Carter. The crazy thing is, Jalen Carter is currently in Indianapolis getting ready for the Combine. So he is projected to be one of the top five picks in this year's NFL draft. So this is just horrifying, life-altering, terrifying for him to not come forward and say, I was racing that night. I saw what happened. I I w- would love to give a full report. I lost a teammate, former teammate. I lost a, a, a very good friend and recruiting analyst, Chandler LaCroix. She was a very important in our success. I would like to give you a police report and help you understand how this incident happened, what we were doing before this incident, and he didn't do it. And... I don't know how this ends up, Scotty. Oh, boy. It's just an ugly, ugly situation. Well, it's so sad. And again, alcohol and behind a wheel. Yeah. It never stops. I want people to understand that Scotty and I could do a drunk driving related story every single day. Yeah. Whether it's a a checkup or a charge or a new incident that happened that morning in the 2 o'clock a.m. hour or this is just consistent with accidents, losing lives, ruining lives, and it looks like another one, Jalen Carter is going to have his life ruined. And obviously, Jalen Carter would have left the scene, kept quiet. Why? Why? Well, you could 
you could probably draw some conclusions. I yeah. won't because that's not my job, but you could probably draw some conclusions. It probably wouldn't have been a good thing for him to be on the scene that night. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man, that's just such an ugly, sad, just horrific situation. Well, it's coming a pretty horrific time for this guy, too, because yeah. he is going to – this is going to completely destroy his draft prospects. Yeah. All right. Um, Lloyd, go ahead and spin it. How much did Vanessa Bryant get from her lawsuit? The final numbers are in, and this lawsuit has changed over the months. She originally sued the L.A. County Sheriff's Department for $15 million and was awarded the $15 million. She then filed for $13 million for her kids' accounts, and she was awarded that. She has now received a total of $28.8 million dollars. In this lawsuit, and I'm sure to her, it's not about the 28 million. She is fine without the money. I've got to imagine this is more about trying to set the standard with sharing information at these celebrity scenes or any scene, sharing pictures and sharing information from these scenes that could be potentially devastating to the family. Because, Scotty, who knows if these pictures of Kobe and their little daughter ever do surface? I've never seen them. I've heard they're out there. I've heard you can find them on the dark web. But I just hope they never hit mainstream where Vanessa or their remaining, what do they have, three other kids together? Uh, Yes, I think three other daughters. So that Vanessa and their three other children don't ever have to see the mangled remains of their father. I'm, I'm hoping that this is more of a statement that's sent out to these officers and first responders. Don't take unauthorized pictures. And if you do, don't ever share them. But let's go back to rule number one. Don't ever take unauthorized pictures at a crime scene. Yeah. Or at a horrific accident. Or the like. You would, you would think that that would be common knowledge, but... Sadly, that's not the case. You would think, but it's yeah. it's not. All right, we'll wrap this thing up, get you ready for Unrivaled next, 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone. This is, this is DJ and PK. Welcome to Cam Miller, Senior Director of College Football Network and NFL Draft for the Pro Football Network. As far as Dalton Kincaid goes, the Utah tight end, it seems like just from reading stuff that I've seen out there, his stock is just soaring. Soaring and tight end one is his ceiling. And I, I think, honestly, him, Luke Musgrave, and then obviously Michael Mayer vying for that first round tight end spot. There might be two of them that go. I don't think that there is a comp for him specifically. I think you have to combine a few players. To me, I think you put him in a bucket of one of the more gifted tight ends immediately in terms of his pass catching ability in the NFL. I think one GM's going to fall in love with him, though, and he has a very, very strong chance to be that top tight end this year. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Presented by Murdoch Hyundai, Utah's number one Hyundai dealer for 16 years in a row on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on 97.5, the Sports Zone. Standing here beside you, want so much to give you this love in my heart that I'm feeling for you. Let them see we're crazy. 
All right, wrapping up another edition of the show. Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. So earlier in the show, Scotty and I were talking with Kurt Heelan, and I started out the conversation asking Kurt about John Morant, what's going on with John Morant. And I've had an opportunity through the breaks to kind of read through the reports that are surfacing in regards to some of the John Morant issues. And it's bad. Yeah, I mean, it's potentially really bad. Uh, he has gotten in a scuffle with a security guard, but that isn't the bad part. This is according to the report in the Washington Post. says four days after this incident that he had with the security guard where he threatened the security guard. He was accused of punching a 17-year-old boy during a pickup basketball game at his home. So this is according to the teenager. The teenager drew the task of guarding John Morant, most electric score, when Morant threw the ball hard at the boy's chest as he attempted to check it in. The boy, 17-year-old boy, threw it back at Morant just as hard. But the ball slipped through Morant's hands and kind of hit him in the chin. At that point, the teenager told police that Morant then put his chin on the boy's shoulder and asked this boy's friend, do I do it to him? The friend responded, yeah, do it. At that point, Morant then punched the boy in his jaw. The boy told police, and without warning, the friend struck him on the other side. The teenager said that he fell to the ground where Morant continued to hit him like 12 to 13 times, while his friend also hit him four or five times. The boy told police that Morant went back inside his house and returned with a gun in his waistband. Though the 17-year-old said Morant didn't pull the gun out, he said he put his hand on it while it was tucked into his pants. The police have not confirmed if Morant had a gun. So Morant, in his account, said that the kid swung first. Um, or sorry, Morant told police that he swung first on the teenager, but that it was self-defense as the boy threw a basketball at his head, then got into a stance that Morant took as him wanting to fight. Morant told police the ball was the first swing to me. So, wow, it is, it's a crazy story. And I'll say this about, John Morant, and I'll say this about really any NBA star or any professional athlete, where we're in a world where John Morant opens up his mouth about any fan in any attempted attack, and that fan is instantly considered guilty, and that fan suffers an immediate consequence, Yeah, whether his actions were justified or not. Whether John Morant, in he, um, what do you call it, um, in, increased the the, uh, the the size of the story. What is that? Oh, exaggerated. Yes. Whether yeah. John Morant exaggerated the story or not, it doesn't matter. That person is guilty, and then the the team that's hosting files an apology, and everybody bows down and says, "Oh, John, we're so sorry." In a, in a, in this world that we're currently in, I want these stars to suffer these same kind of immediate harsh consequences. Yeah. If he did, in fact, punch this 17-year-old, I hope they run the investigation. I hope they yank him out of the NBA. And I hope he doesn't get to play the game for the remainder of the season. Not yeah. for his life. Like, they, you know, get him, get him back for the following season. But if he's punching a 17-year-old, 
And I know these accounts can be all kinds of skewed. But if he's got a gun in his waistband and he's punching a 17-year-old, I'm just hoping that the fallout is swift and it's just. Because that's what these NBA athletes are requesting of anything that is said or done to them. Inside of an arena or outside of an arena. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you on that 100%. It's a bad story. And again, that's one that you look back and you're like, all right, well, let's see how this thing plays out. Let's get the police involved, do the investigation, and everything else involved. But it is a bad look for Jaw. Really bad look right now. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's it, it, we're in a tough situation where we demand so much of each other nowadays. Yeah. And the NBA right now is demanding a lot of people. So when the NBA messes up, it's a pretty big story. Because you're demanding that we as fans or that we as individuals – change and do better and don't do this and don't do this and it, and that's fine like like you want to see improvement in our world but when these nba athletes act out and you've got an issue with a security guard and punching a 17 year old it just feels like there's very little room for apology and then forgiveness because yep. you've taken such a hardline stance on how we should all act as a community yep and I, I don't know, I I try to take emotions out of it and let justice just serve, but there's emotions that are connected to it. Well, that wraps it up for us. Hands and Scotty, hands, I'll be back tomorrow, I promise. Uh, no more of this we, nonsense. We Until need next you. Week. Lloyd, Lloyd's coming, uh, coming apart without you, so we need you. I don't believe that one day. What if you hit the jackpot? You still coming back? Uh, it depends on the size of the jackpot. <laughs> I just get an email that says I'll be out for the remaining five years. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rich. All right. We'll see you guys on Monday on Rival Next, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.